to go to several openings tonight as we begin, um, but we're going to continue tonight. Last Sunday morning, uh, I preached to you concerning biblical reasons why it is the will of God to heal the sick, that divine healing is the will of God. And I gave you several um, uh, several biblical reasons. Then on Sunday evening, we talked about, uh, began answering some questions concerning uh, the subject of healing, questions about healing. I, uh, it's the what abouts because people say when you talk about divine healing and God's will to heal and uh, people that get healed and some people that don't get healed and and we all know that's a fact, right? There are those who get healed. I, I mentioned this, that I have stood by the bedside of saints of God and prayed and watched them die. And I've, I have saw God miraculously touch them and raise them up and heal them. So uh, there's a lot of questions that people have. But we cannot base, um, we can't, what we believe about healing, let me put it this way, has to be based on Scripture and not on experience. Is that right? Because we, you know, I mean, we have to base everything on what the Bible says and what the Word of God says. We are full gospel Pentecostals here. We, uh, we believe the Word of God. We believe Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. We believe He's the Lord. God is the Lord. He changes not. We don't believe He's lost any of His power. We believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still relevant today for the church. Some of those gifts may be lying dormant, but we need to stir them up. Amen. And have them operating and working again within the church. But uh, we're talking, we're going we're gonna to talk about tonight and, and for several Sunday nights on the whatabouts and about questions that people have about healing. And just the two messages that I preached last week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, I've already had some inquiries this week and had some discussion this week and, and um, um, got some uh, messages uh, this week concerning healing and then had someone in my office with, uh, and the very first thing they said was, well, what about this? Well, I said, that's what we're talking about on Wednesday night, the whatabouts. And we're going to do our best to answer these with Scripture and with the Word of God and not by religious tradition that we may have been taught throughout the years. Jesus said that, that, that tra the tradition of the elders will nullify the Word of God and make the Word of God to none effect. So we can either believe the Bible or we can believe tradition that we've been taught down through the years. And if we believe tradition and it's not based on Scripture, then the fact is um, uh, we're not going to see the results that we need to see. And I, for one, believe that the reason the Lord led me to do some of this preaching and teaching along this line is I believe God's wanting to manifest His power in a greater way in the area and in the realm of healing because it's not the will of God for His saints to be stricken and smitten with sicknesses and diseases. Healing is 
the will of God. Come on, amen? Praise God. So Exodus 15, 26, we read this last week. Let's read it again because it gives the redemptive name of the Lord here. And he says this, Exodus 15, 26, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes... I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And then over in a few pages over in the 23rd chapter of Exodus, in verse 25, And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and your water. And listen to this. And I, this is God speaking, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee, and there shall none, nothing cast their young nor be barren in your land the number of your days I will fulfill. Deuteronomy, over in Deuteronomy chapter number 7, Deuteronomy chapter number 7, and um, I want to read verse beginning in verse 12. Deuteronomy 7 and 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full and has built goodly houses. I'm in the wrong chapter. I'm in 8. Amen. <laughs> I thought that don't sound right. Uh, verse 12 of chapter 7. Okay, I was on the wrong page. Wherefore it shall come to pass if you hearken to these judgments and keep and do them that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land and your corn and your wine and your oil and the increase of your kine and or of your cattle and of your flocks, of your sheep in the land which he sware to your fathers to give you. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not a male or female uh, be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Look at verse 15. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and put none of these evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And then I'm going to read one more verse in chapter in Luke, in Luke's gospel, chapter 9, chapter 9, amen, and verse number 11. Luke chapter 9 and verse number 11. And the people, when they knew it, that Jesus was where he was at, they followed him and he received them and spake to them of the kingdom of God, and notice this, and healed them that had need of healing. Praise God. Father, we just pray your blessing upon the word tonight as you will help us to minister your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, I think I mentioned this the other night and Sunday night. We did begin by talking about the very first question that people have. And here's some of the questions we want to answer. And I'll just kind of go through these again. And we touched on this first one last week. But some of the common questions that people have are these. Isn't God sovereign when it comes to healing and decides who gets, who does and does not get healed? Doesn't God use sickness to teach or humble us? Isn't salvation more important than healing? 
What about doctors and hospitals and medicine? What about Christians who get sick and die? What about Paul's thorn? And I had that one brought to me this week. What about Paul's thorn and Job's boils? If sickness isn't God's will, then how will people, how, how will people die? What are afflictions and sufferings and chastening? And is it God's will to heal everyone all the time? And those are some questions that we have to address and we have to, to, um, to look at when it comes to the area of healing. Because a lot of people, and some have been discouraged in this area of healing because they have tried believing God, they have stood upon the Word of God, they have prayed, they have been prayed for with little or no results and didn't see happen what they wanted to see happen. And as I have said, I have prayed for people that have gotten healed. I've prayed for people that did not get healed. I have prayed for my own family members. And uh, we have saw children. We have saw our children when, we, when they were growing up. Uh, in some areas, we prayed for them, and God healed them. We were, we were scheduling a surgery for our youngest boy, Gabe, when he was just a little tyke, a little toddler, to have tubes put in his ears. We were pastoring a little church in, in Butler, Missouri, up by Kansas City, and uh, we didn't have any insurance. We didn't have much financial means at all, and we took this to the Lord in prayer. We were going, we had been to the doctor. He said, he has to have the tubes put in. He was having um, ear infections all the time says he's going to have to have this surgery done we came back we took it before the church we took it before the Lord we prayed we laid hands on him prayed for him asking the Lord to heal him of that took him back and guess what the doctor said no we don't have to do that he don't have a problem we don't have to do that he never had to have the surgery God healed him amen and I could I could give you numerous instances where God has healed us I've told the story how God healed me when I was uh, in second grade of what they had what the doctors had diagnosed as being bone cancer but God touched me and he Healed me, and I'm still here today. Amen. So I know God heals, and I know God heals because I've been healed. I know God heals because I have saw God heals, saw God heal people. But the main reason I know God heals is because what I've read to you from the Word of God and what we see in the Scriptures that God has, has told us that He is the Lord, our healer, and that He heals. I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers to all the questions. Amen. And um, uh, some of the things that we talk about here you may or may not agree with. But I'm going to do my best. I'm, you know, like the Apostle Paul, he said, we see through a glass darkly. And he said, we know in part. And uh, like one fellow said, I know in part, but I thank God for the part I know. Amen. And uh, we don't know it all. We're going to find out when we get to heaven. We'll, we'll receive, you know, we'll, we'll know then as we are known. And so uh, one of these days, as the old song says, we'll understand it better by by and by. 
But right now, right now, we don't have all the answers. We don't know everything, but we do have a Bible, thank God, that we can look to and we can go by. God has revealed to us in his word that he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord that heals. And the first thing that we have to establish in our hearts and in our minds is that God's will is healing. F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth wrote one of the greatest books on healing. If you've never read it, you need to find a copy, get a copy of it, and read it. It's called simply called Christ the Healer. F.F. F. Bosworth was a great healing evangelist. God used him in a mighty way uh, in the early days of Pentecost, and he was also one of the founders one of the founders of the Assemblies of God. And so uh, anyway, he's got a great book on healing, but he made the statement, F.F. Bosworth said that faith begins, faith begins where the revealed will of God is known. So you can't have faith for anything um, that you don't know is the will of God. So you have, and there's some things we pray about that we don't know specifically what the will of God is. So we have to pray, and if it be thy will, prayer. And that's what James talked about when he said, when he was talking about, well, we're going to go here and we're going to do this and we're going to do that this year and next year and the next year. He said, you need to say, if it be the Lord's will, we'll do this or that. Because there's some things we don't have the specific will of God. We have to pray and seek God for his will in our life. But other things we do have the will of God on when it comes to um, the promises of God and, the, uh, and things that we can believe God for. When it comes to the salvation of your loved ones and your family member, you don't have to say, uh, ask the Lord to save them if it's his will. You know that he wants them saved. He's not willing any perish but all come to repentance there's no argument there about that amen we know it's his will for them to be saved their will plays a part in that if they're unsaved their will plays a part in that but as far as praying we know we can pray for God to move on them deal with them draw them convict them and bring them to Jesus because he wants them saved more than you do amen so, but what, so when it comes to healing, we have to know and settle that in our mind that God wants me healed. And I know people ask that question. Well, if God's will is for healing, why isn't everybody healed? And I had that asked me this week, and and I said, well, is it God's will for is it God's will for Christians to live a life freed from sin? Is it? Is it the will of God for, you know, I mean, is it, you know, amen? It's God's will for the power of sin to be broken in our life for us not to live a life of habitual sin. But how many knows there are some Christians that still are in bondage to sin? They love the Lord. They seek the Lord. They, they do things that they, that they promised the Lord that they wouldn't do. But does that mean that God, that's God's will for them to do that? No. There's, there's something lacking there. So we don't have all the answers, but praise God, we're going to do our best to give you some of the answers from the Word of God with, the, you know, um, uh, with, with, with what the Scripture says. So, you know, Jesus said, if you'll, you will know the truth, and what did he say? The truth will make you free. So what about, what about 
let's look at the what about of salvation and healing. Because people ask this question t- some, sometimes. And they say, well, you know, you make a big deal about healing, but isn't salvation more important than healing? Isn't that the more important thing? And I will answer that this way. Yes, salvation is definitely more important than healing. Because you, 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 can, you can have sickness in your body and die and go to heaven if you're saved. But you can't go to heaven if you're not saved. How many knows that's true? Amen. And so, yes, salvation is more important than healing. And if we had to choose, if we had to pick between either going to heaven or being healed, going to heaven would be the thing to pick because going to heaven would be the most important thing. But here's the fact, ladies and gentlemen. Where does the Bible say that we have to pick between either being healed or being saved? Amen. There's nothing that says that we have to pick between the two. And here's the reason why. Because Jesus has provided both salvation and healing for everybody at the cross. Can I get an amen? We just talked about a little bit. I mentioned about the year of Jubilee. Uh, and, I, and I mentioned this morning the possessions that was lost, everything Adam lost at Calvary, uh, Jesus got it back for us. Um, everything that Adam lost in the Garden of Eden in the fall, Jesus, Jesus got it back for us at Calvary. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul says this. He said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, For it is what is the gospel of Christ, the word of God, the gospel preached. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The the gospel, he said, is the power of God unto salvation. When we look at that word salvation in the Greek, it's the, the, the word soteria, the word sozo, or Greek words that are translated salvation. And the word salvation there, when we read that, we think, well, that means that the, the gospel is the power of God, and when it's preached, people will get saved. They'll get born again, which is true. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. But there's something about that word salvation. When we talk about salvation and the Greek words that, uh, that, that, that are translated salvation, salvation is an all-inclusive word of the gospel. Because salvation, when the Bible speaks of salvation, it, it includes a lot of different things. Salvation includes the forgiveness of sin, the deliverance from danger, from captivity and judgment. It includes, that word salvation includes health and the healing of the body, victory and freedom from prison and the preservation of life. It includes physical health and final and complete deliverance from all the curse, including death. And those are just some of the notes from Dake's Bible, Dake's Annotated Bible. But then there there is a reference in Schofield's Bible. Back in the day when I first got saved, started coming up, 
Uh, all the preachers had Schofield's, uh, a Schofield reference Bible. My dad said, you got to get a Schofield reference Bible. And uh, I liked the Bible. I got, I got two or three of them at home that are wore out. Uh, I didn't agree with everything. Schofield was a, Schofield, C.I. Schofield was a Baptist. And uh, I didn't agree with everything he taught. But here is the Schofield note, re, note in his reference Bible on the word salvation in Romans 1.16. C.I. Schofield said the Hebrew and Greek words for salvation imply the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. So when the Bible speaks of salvation, it's talking, it's an all-inclusive word. It's not referring just to only the forgiveness of sin, but it's referring to the salvation of the entire being, spirit, soul, and body. Paul said, Paul prayed for the Thessalonians, for the Thessalonians that, 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 and that church that, they, that God would sanctify them wholly or fully or completely, that their entire spirit, soul, and body would be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. So God God is he's concerned about your entire being and salvation covers every part of our life our spirit yes the forgiveness of sin yes the freedom from the freedom from the dominion of sin yes that is in salvation but also preservation healing and soundness of body because ladies and gentlemen there are two streams that flow from Calvary one stream for the cleansing of sin and another stream for the healing of the body there is healing in the atonement, in the work of Christ on the cross. He paid the price for our healing. Amen? Psalm 103, we read it last week. Who forgiveth all of thine iniquities, who healeth all of thy diseases. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 5. He talks about how that he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. And I don't have time to go in that. But the word grief there used in the King James and the New King James and other translations. That's translated grief in Isaiah 53, 4. That word is a Hebrew word that is translated every other time, other times in the Bible as sickness and disease. So it's very clear and very plain that Jesus bore not only the sins, our sins upon that cross, but he also took our sicknesses and he took our disease and he took our pain. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody ought to shout amen. This, of course, refers to spiritual healing in Isaiah. Yes, it does. And I've heard people say that when he talks about he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And, and, and people say, well, that's spiritual healing. That's, that's talking about forgiveness. Listen, yes, it is talking about a spiritual healing. But it's also talking about healing in every manner. Amen. And in every area of your life, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And the text bears out the point 
point and the fact that he bore our sicknesses and diseases and when he died and took that when he took that whipping when he took that scourging amen at that whipping post that day with that cat of nine tails the stripes that he took and the blood that was shed was paying for the healing of our physical bodies with his stripes we are healed can I get an amen Amen. Woo! so we have to believe that it's in, in the atonement and that salvation includes the forgiveness of sin and the healing of the body but again we don't have to choose one or the other thank God we can have both we can have it all amen I want the whole enchilada Praise God. I want it it all. Come on, amen. And you know what? Jesus died for us to have it all. And we can have it all, but we have to appropriate it by our faith and our believing in him. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's there for the believer. It's there for the child of God. He's bought it and paid for it. Amen. All right, there was something else I was going to say. It slipped my mind, so I guess I'll just move on. Amen. So you're following me, all right? So we don't have to choose one or the other. It's they're all paid for at the cross for us. Oh, I know what I was going to say. We have now the first fruits, the earnest of our inheritance, the Bible says. So what I'm saying is this. I think you'll understand what I'm saying, that everything that Jesus purchased at the cross is ours, but we only have the first fruits of it now. In other words, one of the things that was purchased for us at Calvary is a glorified immortal body. We don't have that yet. I wish I did. Amen? Amen? But we don't have that yet. But we will have that one day. But we can have the first fruits of it. The, the first fruits or the earnest of our inheritance is healing for this mortal body until we get the glorified body. Hallelujah. And we live in a cursed world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is, that is um, under the control of demon spirits. And there are uh, viruses. How many knows that? And there are, are bacterias and there are germs and there is everything. All the corruption that you know of brought into this world by Satan when he became the God of this world. That junk's not from God. Can I get an Amen. But we're in the world that, and we're subject to all that. That's why the Lord has purchased for us and bought for us on the cross healing for our bodies to, to, to heal us. And not only that, but I believe from what I've read to you here tonight from Exodus and Deuteronomy that God wants to keep us, keep us from sickness. I mean, it can, do you believe he can do that? Do you believe that he can keep us healed and keep us well? Amen. Amen, and that he can protect us. Amen, Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. Hallelujah. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and 
him will I trust. Hallelujah. Surely, hallelujah. Surely I will not be afraid of the snare of the fowler or the noise of pestilence. Amen. Praise God. So there's protection for the believer. But we have to believe it. I mean, that's the thing. We gotta we gotta lay claim to it and believe it. And and here's what I'm telling here's what I really believe this tonight, saints, that we as Christians live below the privilege that God has given us and we're we're a long ways from appropriating even the first fruits of what he's provided for us at Calvary. So I'm trying to, you know, encourage my faith and your faith to believe for these things. Amen. So salvation and forgiveness and cleansing is of the utmost importance but so is our physical healing as well because God wants you to live out your days and fulfill your purpose and your plan that he has for you on the earth. And that's what I want to do. And when God's done with me, I'm ready to get out of here. Glory to God. Amen? All right. So we don't have to choose between salvation or healing. We can have them both, and they're, they're all-inclusive in the gospel and in the atoning work of Christ. Number two, another thing that people ask, doesn't God, you've heard this, and I'm probably going to get on some sacred cows and toes tonight with this, but it is what it is, folks. People say, doesn't God use sickness to teach us and to humble us? Have you ever heard people, have you ever heard people say that? Well, you know, sometimes we've heard this a lot. Um, so what about that? I don't think anybody here believes that. I hope not, because that is definitely not true. And if you look at the Word of God, I mean, if you, if you look at that, if you look at that um, in light of a parent-child relationship, is God our Father? Does He love us more than we love our children? Would you put a cancer on your kid to teach them a lesson? Absolutely not. If you had the power to do that, you would not do that. If, uh, no, no father in his right mind would inject his own child with a harmful or deadly virus or bacteria just to teach them something or to humble them. Well, you've been a bad boy today. Come in here. I'm going to give you a little anthrax. <laughs> you know? <laughs> huh? See, see what I'm saying? So to say that would God, if we wouldn't do that, God would not do that. I mean, we would actually consider that child abuse and you would send somebody that would do that to prison. So how in the world could a heavenly father who loves us more than any earthly parent do such a thing as that? The Bible says, Jesus himself said, that if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to them that what? That ask him. Amen. So God's in the business of giving good things. So what about, you know, I've heard people say this, talking about God getting their attention. And I've heard people say, well, God gave me this sickness to get my attention. Now, because of it, I'm closer to the Lord than I was before. And, and that's really actually a deception of the enemy. 
Because, listen, God may have gotten someone's attention while they were on a sickbed, and they may have drawn closer to the Lord while they were afflicted with a sickness. That, 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 uh, but, but that decision to draw close to God could have been made while they were well just as easy as while they were sick without any sickness at all. Amen? So the decision to draw near to God is for us to make. God wants all of us to be close to Him at all times. And that's a choice that each one of us make. We have to choose life. I read those scriptures to you last week in our, in our closing last Sunday night that God sets before us life and death, blessing and cursing. And then He says, choose life that you and your seed may live. See, the Lord can work in any situation and He can take any situation situation and he can help us to draw close to him in any situation. Do you agree with that? But he is not deliberately going to use sickness and disease to draw us close to him or to make make us love him more. I don't believe that any mother or dad would use that tactic to get her child, their child's love and affection. And God is not going to force you to love him or live for him. Amen? So you need to draw close to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. If you drift away from God and you get lukewarm and you drift away from the Lord and you're not close to the Lord, you can open the door then for the enemy to attack you physically, correct? But God didn't send that on you to draw you closer to Him. Now, I'm going to say this, you know, last year, uh, about 13 months ago or so, when, when we, several of us here had COVID-19, I don't know about anybody else, but when I was sick with COVID for a week and a half, almost two weeks, about a week and a half, I definitely wasn't drawing closer to God. Amen. I can tell you that right now. My prayer life was nil because I couldn't get out of the recliner. I I didn't even feel like reading the Bible. And that's something I do every single day of my life without fail is read the Word of God. And the week and the half that I was sick with COVID, I tried to read and couldn't. I wasn't getting any spiritual nourishment. I wasn't drawing closer to God. It seemed more like to me that was something from the devil to keep me from drawing closer to God than something from God trying to get me closer to him. Can I get an amen? See, some of the stuff that we've heard over the years absolutely makes no sense at all. I was so glad when I started feeling good. Hallelujah. And I could reach down there. And I got my Bible there by my chair and I could reach down there and pick my Bible up and open it and actually read and comprehend and make some sense out of it. I remember when I was still in the recliner, but early in the morning before Vicky woke up, I'd wake up early in the morning and I started feeling better. See, I slept all the time, you know, while I was sick, but I started feeling better and I'd begin, I'd start spending some time with the Lord in prayer of a morning after the sickness began to leave. It, 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 it didn't, listen, it didn't, it didn't draw me closer to the Lord. Right? Amen. Well, brother Ricky mine did. Well, praise God. Amen. 
Hallelujah. All right. Another one. Well, it's, it's still along this line of God using sickness to teach us and humbleness, humble us. Let me just throw this in here. How does God teach us? God teaches us, according to the scriptures, He teaches us through His Word and through the Holy Spirit. Is that right? That's why we have a Bible. Amen. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul said that all scripture, is, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So that's what the Word of God is for. Scripture is given for doctrine or teaching, for correction and for instruction. And Jesus said that when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. So the Holy Spirit teaches us. The word of God teaches us. God's given us um, the fivefold ministry to teach us. So he doesn't need to use sickness to teach us lessons or to teach us anything. He teaches and perfects us and grows us through the Word of God. And the Bible goes on to say in James 4 and 10 that we're to humble ourselves. Now, you know, if we say, well, you know, Brother Rick, the, 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 the Lord gave me a sickness to humble me. Are you saying then that you were lifted up in pride? Because if you were lifted up in pride, you could open the door for an attack of the enemy. But it wasn't God doing it. If you persist in pride, God knows how to humble you and bring you down. Those who exalt themselves shall be abased. Isn't that what the Bible said? But God says that we're to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift us up. Peter said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Peter also, or James and Peter both went on to say that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Amen. Listen saints, God's only giving good gifts. Jesus said that. James said that. And we cannot consider sickness a good and perfect gift. If someone wrapped up a horrible disease and gave it to you for a present, that would not be a good gift. And I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, you know after the 9-11 thing you know in 2001 there was some anthrax scares that went out and people were sending uh, uh, anthrax letters with anthrax in them. That was pure evil. We hear a lot today about biological and chemical warfare and, uh, and the, the release using viruses, you know, to, uh, to unleash, producing them and unleashing them on people, which I believe is what we've been experiencing. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. But that's pure evil. That's pure wickedness. God is not in the business of afflicting his people with sickness and disease just to teach them and train them and humble them. All right? So, because if you believe that, you're not going to be able to believe God for healing. Let's move on. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm about done for tonight. Amen. I had a couple of more, but we'll go as far as we can. Here's a good one, though, and this is, this, is a, this is a good one. What about doctors, hospitals, and medicine? What about that? So do we quit taking, get prayed for, anointed with oil, what do you do, throw your medicine away? Do you quit taking medicine, you know, just 
I'm believing for your healing. I'm believing God for health and healing. So I'm not going to take my meds anymore. And do you know there's a lot of people that believe that? That it would be a lack of faith on their part to continue to take medication. But let me tell you something, saints. Believing God for health and healing does not mean that we are to quit believing in doctors and hospitals or to throw away our medicine. You can believe for healing and still be treated by a physician at the same time. I do not see in any way that that nullifies your faith. You can do both. Amen? See, God's will is for our bodies to be healthy and whole, and this is the goal of the medical profession. We have those here that are nurses, and uh, they're working to bring health and, and strength and healing into people's lives. That's what doctors do. That w- that's their prophet- profession. God and the medical profession are working together, not in opposition to each other. The goal is the same, to bring health to you. Now, the only thing is, medical science cannot heal you. They can work with nature to alleviate symptoms and let nature run its course. But praise God, there is one that can completely remove the disease, and his name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. He can completely remove that disease. So when you, when you, when you are, are under the care of a, a physician, you can and you should pray and ask God to heal you, but also ask God to help the doctors and the medical staff that are treating and advising you and trust God to give them the wisdom and the understanding that they need to treat you as they should. Amen? When you're believing God for healing and trusting God for healing, it's not wise to throw away your medicine, to stop treatments, or anything of that nature. Because that does not prove faith. We had a, a, a fellow that came to our church some years ago down here, and he needed medication. He had some, some issues, and uh, he needed his medication. But every once in a while, man, he'd get off on a tangent. I'm healed. Brother Ricky, I'm healed. I don't need my medicine anymore. And I said, now listen, you, you need to make sure that you're healed. Let the doctors, here's what I tell you, let the doctors diagnose that and let them make that decision. And if you're really healed, they'll know it and they'll take the medicine away from you because you won't need it anymore. Amen? That's the way that's got to be handled. Amen? He'd throw the medicine away, then he'd go off on a tangent and, and it was just a, a wild... A wild ride but you couldn't make him understand that years ago back in the 70s uh, when the word of faith message became very popular there was a man a gentleman that had attended our church and he got into the faith message and I and I and I believe in faith I think the word of faith message got so perverted in the 70s and 80s and people got off they got off base. You know, you can get you can get in a ditch 
on one side or another. You've got to stay balanced in everything. And I believe in faith. God responds to faith. God answers only in prayers that are prayed in faith. We must have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But, but you can't get off on, a, on, a, 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 you know, on some kind of a tangent where you're denying symptoms and you're denying that, 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 it's, you know, that you're even sick. I've heard them make confessions, positive confessions. Well, I'm not sick. I don't have fever when they were burning up. Well, that's not telling. That's a lie. Amen? But this gentleman had, he was, he was diabetic. He had diabetes. And he got a hold of this word of faith teaching and he began to confess that he was healed and did not have diabetes. And you know what he did? He threw away his insulin. Not, yeah, it's not, that's not, that doesn't prove anything. He threw away his insulin. He, he, he continued to confess that he was healed, declare that he was healed, and he was, his sugar was just out of control. But he refused to take the medicine, to take the insulin, because he said that would nullify his faith. And that's not true. The last time I saw this man, he, he played music in a gospel group. He was a, he was a guitar player, a precious man, loved Jesus with all of his heart, but he got sidetracked. And the last time I saw him, he was in the hospital. And I went to visit him with my uncle, who was our pastor. We went to pray for him. And he was laying there in the hospital bed with both legs amputated, still saying he was healed. And yeah, he did. He died from the diabetes. Throwing away your medicine doesn't prove anything. There was a, there was a preacher, you can Google him. Brother Roger might remember him years ago. His name was uh, Hobart Freeman. You ever remember him? And he had a church in Indiana, a faith church, and, and was, they became real cultish. And he taught against doctors against medicine and said all you need is faith and you don't need doctors and medicine. There were several people in that church that died, children. He had lawsuits against him and parents even that were in that church that had children that refused to take their kids when they were sick and they refused to take them to the doctor because this preacher told them not to do so. And there was children that died and... uh, and faced charges, and some went to jail for neglecting medical treatment for their children. Well, that's not, that is a, that's, ladies and gentlemen, that's foolishness. That's presumption. That's not faith. Listen, if you are believing God, continue the treatment and continue to believe God. If you're believing God, continue the medication and continue to believe God. Every time you take the medicine, say, I'm I'm taking it in the name of Jesus and I believe you paid for my healing at Calvary. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen.
And I'm going to tell you what, then when healing comes, you won't need the medication. Let the doctor tell you. You don't need this anymore. My, you're doing so good. You don't, you don't need this anymore. Listen, any true healing will stand up to, to, um, to a good examination by the doctor. They'll be the ones that are declared. Remember when Jesus healed those lepers and what he tell them to do when he healed a leper? You go show yourself to the priest. Let him look at you. Let him declare. De- declare that you're cleansed and you offer the sacrifices that are to be made. Amen. Hallelujah. There was, there was proof that the healing was true. Let the doctor confirm that medical healing. That's even a greater testimony when the doctor says there was a spot but it's not there anymore. There was a tumor but for some strange reason it's gone. They may even say well the x-ray must have been wrong or the MRI must have been wrong when all the time we know no it was the hand of almighty God that did the healing praise God amen hallelujah God's big enough to heal you in a way that medical science can confirm it and cannot deny it they may not be able to explain it but they can confirm it that it's done amen Praise God. So in in spite of all that, believe God. Trust the Lord. Pray for your doctors. Now, I don't, you know, I'm going to close. It's time to dismiss. But I haven't, you know, been to a doctor. I had, they don't even know where my medical records are. They got moved around, lost them. I give God praise for that. Now, if I need to go, will I go? I don't know. You'll have to ask Vicky. <laughs> Amen. I, I got nothing against doctors. I have nothing against medicine. You know, if I need to go, I'll go. But I haven't needed it, you know. Praise God. Praise God. I thank the Lord for that. You know, Vicky had a, had a kidney transplant here, you know, in, back in April. And uh, <laughs> let me close with this. And you all know this story. But we had prayed for God. Here was my prayer. God, you're able supernaturally Without surgery, you're able, I know you are, to give her a brand new kidney in her body. I know you can do that. I, I don't have a doubt in my, in my heart or mind that you can do that. And I'm praying that you can do that. But maybe my faith's not there, you know, in that place to believe for that. But I, 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 I prayed you can give her a brand new kidney. But Lord, you can also give her a perfect kidney in a transplant. However you choose to do it, Lord, I'm asking you to give Vicki the perfect kidney that she needs, the perfect kidney. And Lord, I'm asking you that she not have to go on dialysis. All right? That was our prayer. And we stayed with that, and we believed God for that, and, and we trusted God for that. And her kidney... Her, her, uh, and GFR would go down, 
And then it would come back up a little bit. You know, we'd go back to the doctor and, and, and she would be going every month and they'd go back down. And the, and the, the, the nephrologist said, you, you've got to go and see the, the doctor about getting the catheter put in for the um, PD, for the dialysis. And she said, because because it'll take two weeks for that to heal, and, and I don't want you to start getting sick, and then we can't start dialysis. You need to have that done. So we went to the doctor. We had him look at it. He scheduled the surgery to have it done. And I'm just sitting there. I'm not saying nothing. I'm just saying, Lord, you know our, what, what we've asked. We're just thanking you for doing it, you know. With asking no dialysis. He scheduled the surgery. And then, I mean, we had the date, the time, everything. And he said this. Go back to your nephrologist for the next appointment and see what she says. And if she thinks you can wait a little longer, then just call us and we'll cancel the surgery. Won't be a big deal. I said, okay. Went just a few days after that to have to see the nephrologist. Dr. Lopez checked Nikki out. How you feeling? Okay, great. We went and seen the doctor, and here's what he said. The surgeon, here's what he said. And she said, let's wait another month. So we called and canceled it. And the next month was said, let's wait another month. Let's, let's just hold off. Are you doing okay? Yeah, let's wait. Well, you know the story. There was no dialysis. Hallelujah. And April 12th, 1 o'clock in the morning, the phone rings, and they said, we've got a kidney. Can you be up here? I said, we can be there by 3, by 3 o'clock. And we were 3 a.m. We were there. They, you know, and then sometimes they send you home and all this because it's not a match. Hallelujah. 6 o'clock, they was taking her in, gave her a kidney. It was the one we'd asked for, the perfect one. There was no rejection. There's been no problems. There's been no, there's been nothing. She's just doing better than she's ever done before. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Filtration rate, G GFR was from 11, and now it's up 60 and above. That's, okay, is that healing? Huh? Amen. And, it, you know, there was surgery involved. There was a doctor involved. But God orchestrated the whole thing. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. I think we ought to give the Lord a praise. <laughs> Woo. Praise God. Amen. All right. Worship team, come on. Let's sing a song. And, and uh, listen, I got to announce this tonight. Don't leave. All right, we have um, a little something in the back, little, a little something. We want everybody to come back, and uh, it uh, involves Sister Doretta. Okay, so uh, so don't anybody leave, but we want you to come into the fellowship hall here tonight. All right. Can I tell that? Okay, I'll go ahead and tell it. Doretta's daughter has come over, and she has set up uh, uh, some stuff in the back for a celebration of Doretta's birthday, and we're all invited to come back, okay? All right. Praise God.
Amen, amen. All right, let's sing a song and then we'll go eat some cake and ice cream. thank you tonight for your presence here. We pray for everyone tonight who is in need of healing. God, we're asking you for your healing touch on their lives. Father, we know that you supernaturally, divinely heal with, uh, without the aid of medicine, but you also heal through the aid of doctors and physicians. But however you do it, we believe and know it's your will for your people to be healed and whole and well. And we pray for their complete healing, every one of them tonight. And we believe you for that in the